0: Welcome, everybody. Hey, we were uh, working through uh, the book of James, and then Easter happened, and so last week was Easter, as you well know, and thank you for uh, um, coming to that, and and appreciate uh, you being here today. So we're going to go back to James. We have a couple of weeks left in that, and then uh, after the James series, we're going to um, look at uh, some things we're going to call the series American Idols. We're going to look at some things that sort of steal our hearts away from God, and so that's coming up in a bit, but let's finish strong with the book of James, and today it's talking about something hardly anybody needs, and that is how to be patient. I mean, I really, I mean, who needs that? It's kind of a throwaway sermon, really, because who needs to know how to be patient? But we're going to talk about it just a little bit anyway, because it's in Scripture, and evidently somebody someplace needs it. Now, if you think about it, your whole life is a lot about waiting. You you can't wait to get to school when you're a little kid, and then you get to school, and you can't wait to get to middle school. and you get to middle school, you can't wait to get to high school, and when you're in high school, you can't wait to get to college, and then you can't wait to get a job. And then when you get a job, you can't wait to get home from the job. and There's just waiting and waiting and waiting. and And so today we're going to talk about this whole notion of why it's important to be patient. So let's... Let's chat about it. In fact, we're going to talk about uh, why it's important. We're going to talk about when you're going to be patient. And then, most importantly, we're going to kind of end with how are you patient. So let's talk about those things today. Now, um, if you go to a fine restaurant, and um, this is the picture I picked for a fine restaurant. Most of us, this is us. But anyway, let's go back. Um, If you go to a fine restaurant, you go to a fine restaurant, um, there's a lot of waiting going on. In fact, think about this. There are five specific times you wait at a restaurant, you walk in, and what do you do? You have to wait to be seated, and they're seated. And they take your order for your your drink, and so you wait for your drink, and then you wait for them to come back to take your order, and then you wait for your food, and then you wait to get the bill. Right? You—it's all about waiting. And what are those guys called? Waiters. That's right. So uh, here you don't have that, but but we're going to talk about today this whole idea that we all need patience in our lives, and so James. The the beautiful thing about the book of James is he just talks about stuff we all need. Now, he begins by, he uses these three really good illustrations. And again, we talked about this a lot. The the thing about James that's great is he just illustrates wonderfully. So he begins with the the why of, of, or the when when of, of patience. So when we are to be patient, number one, when circumstances are out of our control. Sometimes you just can't control stuff. And so he says, be patient then brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. And he talks about the Lord's coming a lot. Understand the first century context here, right? You've got people who they, they live in in a, in a society where you're Jewish or you're Gentile and you're Christian. You're kind of odd man out a little bit if you think about it. The The Jews have a set way of doing things and they have rules and regulations and You have the Greeks, and they do it a certain way. And you're kind of in no man's land. And if you were Jewish and you became a Christian, then Jewish people didn't really want to have anything to do with you. And if you were Greek and you became a Christian, people didn't really want to have anything to do with you. And so you're kind of out there on an island. And what you want when you feel alone is hope. And so James has this pastor's heart, and he's saying, listen... Things aren't good now, the circumstances aren't good now, but he wants to remind you, be patient because the Lord is coming. He's coming again. Now, think about, that was 2,000 years ago and Jesus hasn't come back yet. But it's closer today than it was 2,000 years ago. So the words still apply to us. There is hope. So he says, hey, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land? This is his first illustration. To yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. And the one thing that you have to have if you're a farmer, and I've never been a farmer, but Miriam and I are kind of homesteading right now. Uh, We have two tomato plants, and so uh, we feel like that's really big for us. And we have some raised garden boxes, and uh, we put the... You have to mix... Like peat moss and manure, evidently. I don't I didn't do it, Miriam did. Uh, anyway, uh, so when I say we're homesteading, I mean Miriam, frank, frankly. But she she put the stuff in there, you know, and then, but it was windy Friday. We did all this on Friday. It was windy Friday, and, and so we had to wait, <laughs> again, we being she. Uh, she had to wait to plant the plants because you don't want to plant tomato plants when it's windy. It just it wouldn't make any sense. And so if you're a farmer, you're constantly waiting on something. You're waiting on the right amount of sun. You're waiting on it to rain. You're waiting on it to not rain. You're waiting on the harvest. You're waiting on it to be dry enough to harvest. Uh, I'm from Kentucky. We grow tobacco. That was the big thing. I know tobacco. I don't know a lot of other things how to grow that, but I do kind of know a little bit about tobacco. And when tobacco grows, you have to top it, and then then it gets big, and then you have to cut it, and then you have to load it, and then you put it in the barn. I've done all these things. And none of them are fun, by the way. And um, I, I remember there's always a sequence to things. There's always a waiting time, and then once it's been in the barn, it cures and it gets soft, It gets brittle and then soft, and then you take it down. And today they they bail it, but they used to take it off of the stalk and and all those things. There was a, a sequence. You you had to, there was timing to all of it, and and so when when. When, Paul, uh, when uh, James writes this, he's saying, listen, there's a, there's a s- sequence to this stuff. And he, one of the best pieces of advice you're ever going to hear in life is life is seasonal. Uh, Solomon talks about it. There's a time to be born and a time to die. He talks about this in the book of Ecclesiastes. And sometimes you have seasons of, of harvest and things go well for you, and you get the new job, and your grand—you know, your your daughter has a grand baby or whatever. I mean, there's a season of, of good things. Uh, you get married. I mean, you know, you, you, there are se- you graduate. There are seasons of good stuff, and, and then there are seasons of bad stuff, and, and you lose a job or your car breaks down or you 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 know the uh, your taxes were more than you expected, and so you have to understand to not get too up when it's up and to not get too down when it's down because if you're up now there's a chance there's a pretty good chance there's going to be a season where it's down and if you're down now you just don't need to think well it's always going to be down because there's always a season after that that's up I heard an old farmer one time say my first church he said after every after every drought there's a rain which is true think about it. it's really good it's good wisdom after every drought, there's a rain. You don't know when it's coming, but the end of every drought is a rain. And he, he, was, he was basically saying, don't get too up and don't get too down. At the end of every drought, there's a rain. And we have this tendency, if, things, if we have these circumstances that we can't control, we have a tendency to worry. Now, the problem with worry is this, to worry about something I can change is just dumb. If you can change it, then change. Change. It's like, I'm worried about, you know, I'm worried about not making good grades. Well, study, you know, I mean, do, do something about it. You can, you can do something. Um, now, to worry about something you can't change is useless. So worry really is kind of a, a fool's errand. Why do this if it really isn't productive? So the first thing is, when circumstances are beyond our control, we need to be patient. Now, this, you're going to love this one. When people won't change. Have you ever wanted to change somebody can I get a witness? I mean, seriously. How many of us have had somebody in our lives, it might be our spouse, it might be a co-worker, it might be a child, that we simply wanted to change? And James addresses this. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets. What did the prophets do? The prophets' job was to change the minds of the people toward God. They were, they were not always effective at this right? Sometimes they would prophesy and they would preach and they would tell and they would talk and they would encourage and they would challenge and people still didn't go toward God. And so he's saying, look, take the prophets as an example. In the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Not everything you do works and sometimes you try to get people in the right place and they simply won't get in the right place. And I talk to folks all the time who have had kids, for example, who simply won't do what you want them to do. Or you've got a spouse and you're having issues with your spouse and they won't do what you want them to do. And this is a great time to have patience because stuff takes time. And and sometimes it doesn't work out the way that we want it to. I want to give you a great illustration. This is, a 19, this is an 1886 Mercedes Benz. 1886 (laughs) that's awesome okay now Carl Benz is the guy that invented this thing and he was trying to market it but when he would drive it through the streets in Germany people didn't like them because they were loud and it scared the children and the horses so they made a law that he could only drive get this this is super they could only drive in the city three and a half miles an hour that was the speed limit Do you know how fast that is uh, you're moving right now faster than three and a half, I mean, three and a half miles an hour. Um, in this, in, uh, out of city, you could drive seven miles an hour. So he was like, I can't, I can't market something that won't go faster than an horse. This makes no sense. So he came up with a scheme. This guy was brilliant. I mean, there was more than just uh, engineering brilliance to this fellow. So he asked the mayor of the city that set these speed limits so low, he asked him to go for a ride. And he had also arranged that at the appropriate moment, uh, while they're riding down the street, he, he hired a guy who was a milk cart guy who had a milk horse hauling a cart. And he hired this guy to, to blow past them in the, in the horse and to, um, to gesture them in a way that some of you know. I'm fairly certain some of you know this gesture. It's still good today, by the way. Uh, it's not good. It still works today. I shouldn't say it that way. All right, so the milk cart guy blows by, he um, he waves in an unfriendly way, and the mayor is livid. He just goes insane. It's like, catch him. And so Mr. Benz, Carl Benz says, I can't, the speed limit is three and a half miles an hour. Within two weeks, that law had been changed. So sometimes it happens quickly, sometimes you have to manipulate. But here's the thing, the word he uses here for patience is macro thumas thumas macro thumas macro means long thumas means heat it takes a long time to heat and what he's saying is sometimes this will take a long time so when people won't change you have to be patient third thing when problems don't make sense and then he uses job and if there was if there's a poster child for for Problem's not making sense. It's Job. That guy did everything right. If you read Job chapter 1, he is an amazing follower of God. He offers all the right sacrifices. He prays. He offers sacrifices for his kids who might have sinned. I mean, you talk about dotting every I and crossing every T. Job is the guy. And he says, you've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And Job, listen, Job did everything right he he was he was a follower of god and he did the right things and yet for 37 chapters of this book of job he just doesn't understand why bad things are happening here's <laughs> think about this his children in one day you you've never had a day like this in one day his children are all killed his all of his businesses are raided and all of his possessions are taken he contracts some sort of a disease that caused boils and he was oozy and just horrible. He was horribly uh, uncomfortable. He he lost his wealth, he lost his family, he lost his health all in one day. You've never had a day like that. you never even had a day close to that. It was the worst day ever. And then the only thing that God doesn't take away from him is his wife who nags him. Uh, she says, curse God and die. I mean, good grief. I mean, if you're Job, are you not saying, what about her? Uh, You know, uh, uh, just, why, why? I mean, it's not, it's bad enough that you had that bad a day, but now all of a sudden, you're, somebody is there to remind you how bad your day is. Curse God and die. And yet Job, even though he didn't understand, for chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, at the end, God restores his health, uh, gives him uh, his possessions in spades, He you know, gives him more, gives him more children. There's, this story is he persevered. you got to be patient when circumstances don't go your way. Because you're going to have uptimes, but you're also going to have downtimes. You have to be patient when people don't do what you want them to do. And you have to be patient when problems don't make sense. This is a lot of our life. So basically, James is saying, you need to be patient a lot. Because we do need to be patient a lot. And then he says, this is why. Um, Because God is in control. This is really important for us to understand. I might not understand what's going on. Things might not make sense to me. However, God is in control. And here we have it again. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near and the Bible talks a great deal about the Lord's coming because it gives us hope we need hope listen when I go to the dentist and let's say I had to uh, have a a a cavity filled when you when you have a cavity filled and maybe none of you have had this experience but I've had this experience a couple of times they put you in the chair and then they say they lie and they say this won't hurt and they give you a shot you know what? Shots always hurt, just so, just so you know. So next time they say that to you, you just look them in the eye and say, the pastor says you're a liar. And uh, uh, they, they give you the shot. But they do kind of jiggle your jaw a little bit. I've got a lot to jiggle, so it's easier for me. But uh, they give you a couple shots, and then all of a sudden, you can't feel it, right? You can't feel it there. And, and then they'll they'll bring that little drill in, that, that tool, that instrument of Satan. And uh, they bring it in, and it's got the little bit, and you see it going in, and it's like, And I don't know about you, but I get a little tense, I get a little sweaty, and then and then you hear the sound, and then they get going, and then you smell the smell. I just threw up a little bit in my throat, and uh, uh, and it's the worst thing ever. You know, it's it's like it's like, dude, are you are you digging for gold? Get done. I mean, it's like, can you not finish? Just finish. The only thing that brings me any relief is the idea that when this is over, Miriam is going to feel so sorry for me, she's going to let me get a milkshake. Now, it's going to dribble down my mouth. Uh, You know, I'm not going to be able to actually drink it. Um, But you kind of just sort of slosh it in there and hope some of it stays. And it's good. It's still good. That may be why she lets me drink it while I've had that Novocaine stuff, because I only get about half of it. But... uh, uh, but while I'm in the chair, while I hear the, you know, I see the smoke, I mean, while all that's happening, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I've got hope. Because after this is over, when this is finished, there's a milkshake on the other side. I just, I, you gotta. And I think James is letting his followers know, listen, there's hope. There's hope. And so he's saying here, listen, God's in control. Uh, my timing doesn't always make sense, but his timing always makes sense. I, I don't always get why this is happening, but I'm going to be patient because I believe God is in control. You either believe it or you don't. I mean, God's in control or he's not. You you have to figure out which side are you going to be on. When, when bad things happen, can I still follow God and believe he's in control? This is a really big question for us to have to answer but when we settle it in our spirits, okay, it doesn't always have to go right for me for it still for God to still be in control. Then I can process my life better. It might not even... Listen, when Jesus taught us how to pray, what did he say? He, he taught us to pray, um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is always done perfectly in heaven. It's not always done perfectly on earth. Sometimes stuff happens Bad things happen. doesn't mean God isn't in control. just bad stuff. This is a broken world with broken stuff happens. And so I have to remember, OK, God is in control. that's why I should be patient. And God rewards patience. This is a good one. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. And, and if you persevere, I heard about this little boy, he was standing at the mall and he was looking at the escalator. The steps just go, you know, they just go and go and go. And, and a clerk came over and said, little boy, are you lost? And he said, no, I'm waiting for my gum. Uh, so uh, um, if you're patient, you get rewarded. This is how it works. And, and so he, he talks about this. Hey, in Job's life, patience it's rewarded. And, and again, it could, it could be like my character might grow. God is, and Rick Warren said this a hundred years ago, but this is really good. God's more concerned with your character than your comforts. Where are you going in your character? How are you growing? And it's important that sometimes we have to live through some difficult things because it helps us grow our character. I, I learn to get along with people. I'm more patient with people when I go through some, some difficult times. Here's what's interesting about going through some stuff. When you go through some stuff you're going to find that there are other people in life that are going through the same stuff, and you can help them get through it. I've given this illustration before, but when my dad died, my mother in her friend group was the only widow. And she felt really alone because she was the only widow of all her friends. And so they would go do stuff, and there would be two couples and my mom. And, and, And it was difficult for her, but a couple of years later, one of the other ladies lost her husband. And my mother had already been through it. And she helped this lady get through it. And now... When you're 85, there are people who die around you. That's just how it works. And she's 85, and she tells me every time I call her, she, it's like the death report, uh, you know, who has died. And, and, uh, but because she's lived through some things in life, she's able to help other people get through those things. And so it helps us get help other people. We're happier. We we know that we can overcome challenges. Uh, We reach your goals. You know, if you persevere, you can get there. Uh, You'll be honored by others. And there is an eternal reward. And look at what Jesus says. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And I think here's what I... Here's what I think. We live in a world where a comeback, a great comeback, is celebrated. So if you insult me and I can insult you back, I get bonus points. I get points for that. And I believe Jesus would say to us, or you can be insulted and keep your mouth shut. And that's a good thing, too. In fact, there seems to be an eternal reward involved if we can just not always have to make a comeback. So, somebody insults you, and you just sort of what if what if we as followers of Jesus just didn't respond? It's okay what if in to honor- Jesus somebody insults us, and we just sort of to honor Jesus just don't say anything because our natural tendency isn't to do that our natural tendency is to to fight back but if I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can get a, a momentary surge of, you know, endorphins here by having a great comeback. Or I have a promise of God being proud of me and rewarding me later, and, and maybe that's a better choice. So, we, we have to watch ourselves. Another reason to be patient is because God is working things out. Even while we don't see it, God's working You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. We looked at this a minute ago. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy and he's working behind the scenes. And God's delay doesn't mean... A a delay doesn't mean a denial. Elise is here. If Elise asked me for something and I said not right now, that doesn't mean never. That just means not right now. And sometimes we'll say we're going to wait. We're just going to wait. a delay isn't a denial. God could delay us and not deny us. Maybe maybe there's something about us that needs to get to a different place so that he can give us what he wants us to have. And while I'm waiting, here's the thing about it, while I'm waiting, it's not as if God's not doing something. God's working in all these things. He's working things out. And so the farmer plants the seed and then he lets God do his thing because Here's what you don't do when you plant seeds. You don't plant the seeds and you don't uncover them every day to see how they're doing. You plant the seeds and you do what? You you wait. Because God has to do his part. You do your part, God does his part. Now, look at a couple of verses here. For it is God who is working in you. He's constantly working in you. Enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. And then look at this one. And we know that in all things God is, and what's our word? God's working. In everything, God is working. So, what do we do while we wait? I'm gonna let me tell you this interesting story from New York Times. If you've ever been on a flight you get to baggage claim. One of the worst things in the world to do is have to wait on baggage, right? I mean, it's just tough. And you're sitting there, and you're looking at your phone, and you're waiting, and there's nothing to do. And especially if you phone alone, there's nobody even to talk to. And so you're just waiting there. And I usually people watch because, you know, it's just fun. And um, But there you are, and you're waiting for your luggage. Well, at Houston H- Hobby, they decided that they would try to, to solve this issue of people complaining about having to wait because they were getting just... A lot of complaints about having to wait for their luggage so they hired more baggage handlers they thought let's speed up the process and they got the baggage from the plane to the to the carousel uh, in a record-setting eight minutes they were the fastest in America eight minutes from plane to carousel they thought we have solved the issue we hired more baggage handlers this is going to solve it and the complaints continued They they continued, it's like, okay. So they started doing some research. Why are people complaining it's faster than it's ever been? The problem isn't that their their baggage wasn't there on time. They still had to wait. So their solution is brilliant. They moved the gates further away from the baggage claim. This is brilliant. Think about it. So now, instead of getting there in a minute, the problem wasn't I, I walked there in a minute... The problem was I had to wait seven more minutes. But if I have to walk nine minutes to get my luggage, have you noticed this lately? You're walking further. You are walking further. The reason is, if I have to walk further, now when I get there, if I get there and my baggage is already there, what do you think? This is the greatest airline ever. I mean, I can't even believe this. I remember back in the day where I had to wait for seven minutes for my luggage. Now it's right here. And there's an MIT researcher, and this is his conclusion. This is really interesting. The length of the wait is not as important as what you're doing while you're waiting. (laughs) It's really interesting. And he talks about it this way. Essentially, we tolerate occupied time, walking to baggage claim, much better than unoccupied time, standing and waiting. How you wait is important. What you do while you wait is important. And James knew this. And so he gives us some heads up on How to wait. First, we wait expectantly. Be patient, he says then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. We wait, wait, and God is working, and while we wait, we're working. We get ready for the answer before the answer. That's a quote from me, uh, just so you know. Uh, Right there, it says me. That's me. Okay, we wait for the answer And we prepare for the answer before the answer. So we get ready. So, let's say, and look at this verse. Uh, I wait expectantly, trusting God to help, for He has promised. And so, I don't know what the issue might be for you that you're waiting on. Maybe your health isn't where you want it to be. Maybe your marriage isn't where you want it to be. Maybe your finances aren't where you want it to be. Maybe you have a relationship with someone that's not where you want it to be. The question is, what are you doing while you wait? So if my finances are in the gutter, am I, am I making changes? Am I now spending less than I make? Am I saving? Am I, am, I making, am I doing something to help the situation? While I wait for God, am I doing something? Let's say I've got a relationship that's not where I want it to be. What am I doing Am I praying like crazy? Am I making overtures? Am I doing what I can to strengthen that relationship? My health isn't where, it, where I want it to be. Am I, am I sitting on the couch eating peanut butter cups? Because they're on sale now because it's the, the egg kind uh, from Easter. Um, 50% off. Who can turn that down? Uh, am, I, am I sitting on the couch eating those things and not doing anything about my health and expecting God just to somehow fix it? There's a a part of us that needs to do something. And and while we wait, we prepare. We kind of work. Because preparing demonstrates expectation. God, I expect you to chip in here, but I'm going to do my part too. I expect you to fix this, but I'm going to do my part too. If God were to answer your prayer, would you be ready? I mean... Are you ready for an answer? If you're praying about something and you're praying and praying, are you ready for the answer? Because here's the truth. Sometimes when I'm waiting on God, He's really waiting on me to get ready. I've told you this story before. I'm going to tell you again. When I was 16 years old, my daddy bought a car for me, a, a Datsun B210, orange, faded orange, um, big magnet, not. Uh, it was It was horrible. If you've ever seen it, I don't have a picture of it. A Datsun B210 is, it's ugly. It's really horrible. It's really, really horrible. Um, and it, the top in speed is about 7. And uh, it's just it's horrible. But I did have, I had an 8-track, so that was great. But anyway, uh, horrible car, horrible car. And I remember being underwhelmed when Daddy showed it to me. Hey, son, I got you a car. It's like, all right, you got a car, super. He takes me outside, and it's like, where is it? Is it behind that ugly orange car? Because in my mind, what do you? When you're that age, what were you thinking? Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am. Hmm? I mean, I with the with the T tops. Who doesn't love T tops? I mean, everybody wanted a T top car. The the B two ten to get a T top, <laughs> you'd have to put one in. Uh, nobody had a B. And and here's what's really funny. I, I looked through pictures when I was at my mom's house. I have no pictures with me in the B two ten. None. There's no pictures. Because who wants to be taking a picture? My daddy was brilliant. You want to know why? You want to know how long it took me to wreck my Datsun B210? First day I had my license. First day. In my driveway, I backed into my sister's car. First day. I wasn't ready for T-tops. Daddy knew that. Daddy knew. And our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Daddy, he knows what we can handle. I wasn't ready. Now eventually, eventually, I got a a NG. Girls were all over me. Not really, but it really kind of makes me feel good. Uh, uh, It was great. It was awesome. But Daddy knew. I wasn't ready for something better. We have to prepare. We have to get ready. Look, I love this verse. I am the Lord. You won't be disappointed if you trust me. Do you trust him? Because he's trustworthy. So we wait. Uh, we, we wait expectantly. We wait respectfully, because here's what happens: if it's not going your way, we have a tendency to complain. Look what he says here: be patient, stand firm, because the Lord is coming. The Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And here's what happens: if it's not going our way, we have a tendency to complain. And so he's saying here, hey, this don't complain. Who do you complain to most if things aren't going your way? Your family and your friends. So he's saying, don't grumble against one another. Don't get mad at your wife because something bad's not, something's not going well in your life. Just, just <laughs> be patient and be quiet while you're being patient is what he's saying. Because we don't want to be caught unprepared. When I was in high school, the football coach, coach you're going to like this story, football coach was my history teacher, Coach Steele Harmon. He was awesome. Um, coach Harmon was, was kind of tough. He was a tough guy. And um, he wasn't real smart because he left the room and he left us like, with no supervision. So um, when Coach Harmon left one time, I decided it would be a great idea to entertain the, the class So I uh, I fake wrestled my down coat, you know what you know. All wrestling is fake. Anyway, uh, you can do it with a down coat. I I know this. So anyway, I would throw my coat down and get on top of it and get on the get on the chair and you know do this stuff. It was great. Uh, April, you'd love this. Uh, I was in there doing that, and then I would get on top of it and somebody would go one two and I'd let the coat flip me off. It was great. It was awesome. It was a it was a I could do it here. You'd laugh. It was great. I mean, even as a 10th grader, I knew I had, I had it go. I had jokes. You know, I was going. What I wasn't prepared for, as this text said, the judge was standing at the door. Coach Hardman did not appreciate that level of humor. Uh, he's, he's a codger. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he didn't like it. And I got sent to the principal's office, I think. I don't know. And maybe suspended. I, I, it's all vague now, but... But James is saying, listen, don't don't be complaining about everything. Do I trust that God is in control or not? Because then I can wait patiently. And this third one, now this almost doesn't seem to to go together, but it will. I'll I'll try to connect the dots. Above all, and so when he says above all, you're like, wow, this is like a big conclusion. And then it kind of doesn't seem to tie in, but it does really. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, nor, uh, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. What's that got to do with being patient? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. First century Judaism and first century Christianity in that era, they had this sort of system of, of guarantees. Uh, so you could swear by something. Now, as a Jew, a, a binding swear would be, I swear by, you know, God. If, you sw- if anything included God, it was binding. But if you swore by something, like if you swore by um, the heavens, not binding. It kind of seemed binding, but it wasn't binding. So it'd be kind of like if you and I, I'll bring it into modern day, if you and I were to talk and I would say, Scout's honor. I was never a scout. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna obey that. Or if I would say, uh, I I I promise on my mother's grave. Well, my mother ain't dead, so you know that that, doesn't count, right? So I I could try to fool you. And and what James is talking about here is there were guys who were Christians who were cheating people. He's like, listen, you don't cheat even your patience even when it costs you something. You're patient even when it costs you something. You, you, this whole book is about James saying, listen, we live differently than other people. We live in a world where everybody does really bad things and they lie to each other and they steal, and they do these things... And we live in a world, we live in America where people do really bad things and there are really people doing bad things out there. And what James would say to us, just like he said to his people back in the first century is, we don't do that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's all you need to say. Over and over in Scripture. And James's point, Christian speech should always be honest and credible and above reproach. We're just never going to say something we don't mean. Booker T. Washington wrote a book called Up From Slavery. He talks about a man that he met one time who had made an agreement with his master, a black man who had made an agreement with his master. He lived in Virginia, and he made an agreement with his master that he could buy his freedom. And in this agreement, the the idea was he could go anywhere for occupation, and when he got enough money, he would pay himself off, basically, pay off his freedom. He would buy his own freedom. And this man went to Ohio, and while he was in Ohio, the Emancipation Proclamation was made, and his debt was forgiven. And yet this man worked for two more years, $300 he owed his master. He walked from Ohio to Virginia. With interest, he paid this man the $300 that he owed him. And Booker T. Washington said, well, why did you do that? You didn't have to pay. And he said, listen... I gave my word, and even though I didn't have to pay, I've never never gone against my word. So if I gave my word, I'm going to keep my word. What James is saying here is patience will sometimes mean you gave your word, and even though it's difficult, You keep your word because this is what Christians do. We don't behave like everybody else. We're patient. We believe that God is coming back. We wait expectantly. We believe that he's in control. We wait respectfully. We don't complain about everything that's going on in our lives. And we keep our word. Part of patience is you, if you say it, you do it. And I love that James holds us to this better standard i mean there's a way everybody does it and james is like but that ain't us that's not how we behave we're better than that we're better than that just remember god calls us to better than that let's pray father we thank you for the challenge that is to live in a way that's different and in a very impatient fast-paced world Help us to be patient in all things. Help us to honor you with our words, with our commitments. Help us to work while we wait. Help us to believe that you are in control. And help us to act like it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.